think well on it, or Reflections on the Great Truths of the Christian Religion for Every Day of the Month, by Bishop Richard Chaloner. Thirty-first day, on the death of our Savior, consider first how our Lord, having spoken these last words, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, with a loud and strong voice, leaning down his head in perfect submission to his Father's will, and perfect charity to us, poor sinners, to whom in this posture he offered, as it were, the kiss of peace, breathed forth his pure soul, and thus ended his mortal life, which from the moment of his birth till now had been nothing else but a series of sufferings endured for us. Hasten now, my soul, and approach boldly to kiss the sacred feet of thy Redeemer. View his pale limbs, count at leisure all his wounds, and lament all thy sins, for which he suffered such exquisite torments. Consider, secondly, in the passion of our Savior, the truth of those words which were delivered by him upon another occasion. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And see how our Lord, having humbled himself to the death of the cross, was even at that very time honored and exalted by his heavenly Father, and that many ways. For during the time he hung upon the cross, the sun for three whole hours withdrew its light from the world, and at his death the earth trembled, the rocks were rent asunder, and the monuments opened, the veil of the temple, which hung before the sanctuary, was rent from top to bottom. The people, touched with these wonders, went home, striking their breasts, and the centurion or captain of the guards publicly professed that this man whom they had crucified was truly the Son of God. Rejoice, O Christian soul, to see thy Savior's death thus honored, and learn under all events to confide in God, who will at last convert the malice of thy enemies to thy honor and advantage. Sit now down at the foot of the cross, and there at leisure. Consider thirdly, and repeat in thy mind the multitude and variety of the sufferings which thy Savior has endured for thee, from his entrance into the Garden of Gethsemane till his expiring on the cross. View them one by one, and thou shalt see that not one part of his sacred body, which being the most perfect, was to the same time the most sensible of pain of any that has ever been, was free from its particular torment. His head crowned with thorns, his face defiled with spittle, bruised and swollen black and blue with blows, his hair and beard plucked and torn, his mouth drenched with gall and vinegar, his shoulders oppressed with the heavy weight of the cross, his hands and feet pierced with nails, his whole body exhausted with a bloody sweat, mangled and laid open with whips and scourges, his limbs wearied out and all disjointed upon the cross. What he endured in his soul was not a jot less, but rather infinitely more painful than what he suffered in his body. Witness that mortal anguish which cast him into an agony in the garden. Witness that grievous complaint on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He suffered, moreover, in his reputation by false witnesses and outrageous calumnies, which is often dearer to a man than his life. He suffered in his honor by all manner of reproaches and affronts. He suffered in his goods, being despoiled of his very clothes and hanging naked upon the cross. He suffered in his friends, being forsaken by them all, not to speak of other sufferings, which are usually more sensible to flesh and blood, viz. the ingratitude of those he had favored with his miracles, the triumphs of his enemies, their insults over his disciples, etc. 
And in all these sufferings, he denied himself those comforts which he usually affords to his servants under their crosses, and which have made the greatest torments of the martyrs not only tolerable, but oftentimes sweet and comfortable. But he would allow himself no other comfort but that of doing the will of his Father and purchasing our redemption. Consider fourthly who it is that suffers all this, and thou shalt find him to be the eternal Son of God, co-eternal, co-equal, and co-substantial to his Father, the great Lord and Maker of heaven and earth, infinite in power, in wisdom, and in all perfections. But for whom does he suffer? For man, a poor, wretched worm of the earth, for ungrateful sinners, traitors to his eternal Father and to himself, for those very Jews that crucified him, for us mortals, who for the most part were never like to thank him for or even so much as to think of his sufferings. O how admirable art thou, O Lord, in all thy ways, but in none more so than in the contrivances of thy mercy. O how does the passion of our Redeemer enrich and illustrate all the attributes of God. It is here we discover his infinite goodness and charity, in thus wonderfully communicating himself to us and laying down his life for our sakes. It is here we discover his unparalleled mercy, in taking upon himself our miseries and enduring the stripes due to our sins. Here we behold the admirable wisdom of his providence in opening the fountain of life to us by his death. Here we learn to fear the severity of his justice, which fell so heavily upon his only begotten Son, who had clothed himself in the semblance of a sinner to atone for our sins. Oh, what must the guilty themselves one day expect at his hands, if they do not prevent the terrors of his justice by instantly embracing his mercy. Consider fifthly in the sufferings of thy Savior the infinite malice, the unparalleled hideousness of mortal sin, which could not be canceled out but by the blood of the Son of God. This is the chief lesson which thy Savior desires to teach thee from the chair of the cross. Thou canst not please him better than by studying it well. O never then be so ungrateful as to crucify him again by mortal sin. O suffer not that monster to live in thee, for the destroying of which Christ himself would die.